0: Well, hello there and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am your friend, Kate Spencer.
1: And I am Dory Schaffer.
0: Whoa. Not a friend?
1: I mean, I don't know if they if they want to call me their friend. They can. I just don't know if they want to. You
0: don't want to make the presumption yeah. that you're a friend.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be their friend.
0: Well, look, whether or not we're friends, we're not experts. No. But you and I are friends and we like to talk a lot.
1: About serum. We do,
0: Dory. Yes. Am I glowing yet? You are. Is my Agustinus batter cream <laughs> turned me into just like a lightning bolt of
1: something? I mean, your skin does look supple. Oh, but I feel like it always looks supple. I think
0: so far I'm one weekend. Yes. I look the same.
1: I, I gotta say, I think I, I don't see a huge no.
0: There is no, I I am having lots of acne. This is before the cream under on my neck. I'm having neck zits all of a sudden. Neck knee, maybe that's just what being 40 is all about. The zits move from my chin to my neck. (laughs)
1: That's probably what Nora Ephron meant when she said, I feel bad about my (laughs) neck. That's probably what it, that is what it's about. Yeah. She had neck knee. She had neck knee. How are you
0: doing over there?
1: You know, I'm doing okay. All right. Yeah. Good. I like to hear that. Um, We traveled with Henry for the first time. And? It was okay. He did great in the car. What a dude. Which was like, thank you. What a dude. Because I can't imagine anything worse than a screaming baby in a car for four hours. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. So he was like pretty chill um, and slept a lot, which was great. Um, but as you know, traveling with a baby is a even on a with a great baby, it's a shit show.
0: It is a shit show.
1: Even traveling, I traveled recently with
0: my kids, and they're fully functioning, like can carry their own backpacks, kind of people.
1: Still a shit show. Yeah. So I was like, all right. It's different. I'm never leaving the house again. <laughs> That's it. I I live here and I don't leave now. Which is fine. Totally. Your house is great. Yeah, thanks. Um, my house is great, but it's also, once again, the clutter is just, it doesn't stop. I'm, I'm actually dealing with this at my house as well,
0: where I feel the walls closing. That in. is how I feel. Yeah.
1: That is exactly how I feel. I feel like it is a weed mm-hmm. that just keeps growing back. And you pull the weed out and pull then the weed out. two new weeds grow. Yes.
0: Okay, so let's talk about this. Because you and I, we've we've both expressed this as a challenge for
1: us. What yes. do you think is a plan
0: we can implement to
1: actually really make a difference? I think that it is every night we do a cleanup a 10 minute cleanup a cleanup of the whole sp- like, so so is your theory just that you need a
0: small thing every day to organize the space and put it back together almost I think
1: so for for me the big issues are the living slash dining room um especially the dining room table oh that's a big one it just home. becomes like a repository yep and then also my desk has be- well I just I just like put a pile on the floor. <laughs> I, I just like, went to
0: look at Dory's desk, which yeah. is to my left.
1: Um, and yeah, it's just, it's not even that Henry has so much stuff in the, in the common areas of the house. It's, it's more that like he has a yes space <laughs> that now takes up a third of the living slash dining room. And so I think between that and just our stuff it's just feeling very claustrophobic. And so I think that and I just when you asked that, I just thought of that right now, but I know this has been recommended by other, I've seen people like recommend this, that like every night you just do a kind of like quick cleanup, not a, not like a deep clean, but just like a tidying. i I
0: aspire to do that. And some nights I do. I have just found that the end of the day for me, in addition to doing bedtime, with my two children and getting them homework and blah, 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 blah. Then once they're put away in their respective beds, there's dishes. Yeah. There's lunches. There's yep. like wiping down peanut butter off the floor. There's yep. just that. And then the, the thought of like then doing a 20-minute cleanup.
1: So maybe it's not – I mean, maybe nighttime isn't the right time for well, you. Well, I had a
0: fantasy of rising this morning and – Cleaning up my space mm-hmm. and then that did not happen. I slept until seven. <laughs> I didn't I mean, do that's it
1: fine, also, maybe it doesn't have to be twenty minutes. Like maybe it can be you know you set a timer for five minutes. We've talked about this before we have
0: to i mean, there's there are solutions. The challenge i mean for for me personally, the challenge is that I have fifty spots in my house that need to be organized yes like same like yesterday i did one cabinet in my kitchen and i was like well this feels nice every other in- cabinet in my kitchen it's like d- uh, filth yeah open bags of grains yep. and like pl- bags and just it feels like i know it's like little steps will lead to the yes. whole thing being done but right now it just feels like everywhere it's like i'm just to keep shoving the
1: things in and totally the door doesn't fully close all the way and i'm hoping nobody notices totally and i was actually thinking about this before you came over because i was trying to clean off the dining room table just because i was like oh my god a this is embarrassing b like we have to eat our lunch we ended up eating lunch on the couch but i was like there's nowhere to sit at the dining room table. So I was like clearing it off. I threw out a bunch of stuff, but then there was just like a small pile of the like, this is stuff I think we need to keep, but it has no home. Mm, Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. There's like, there's those, there's those stray things that have no home. And I feel like those are the things that just accumulate.
0: Yeah. And then you create a home and then you end up putting 50 different things into that home. Like I created a Home for like papers, but yeah. now it's just like there's batteries and well, it's like a giant yes. stack. And
1: anything that is like a miscellaneous home is a disaster.
0: I would love, listeners. Do you have a system? What's your system? What is your? System? Have you
1: solved this? Show us your ways,
0: please. We both need yeah. deep guidance in this front, and maybe you know, maybe it's time we have an organizer on the show. Yeah, we've tried. We were going to yes, but said Didn't work out yes they had to not they couldn't do it
1: they had to not do it they had to not do it. <laughs> um
0: so we are still on the mark we I think that would be very helpful to talk to talk to a professional but also talk to
1: non-professionals who have just implemented some sort yeah. of system doesn't need to be perfect doesn't need to be good like i I've had organizers before I know in theory totally what you are supposed to do like with like like you know just like all those sort of like organizer buzzwords i know how to do them so maybe we need but it's just the implementation it's the maintenance right it's the every it's day the
0: maintenance. because you can purge totally and you can reorganize yep. and, and for a, a cab- day yes you
1: can have a cabinet look great oh, for a day
0: you can buy all the bins yep but then, but then realistically real life- yeah yeah what happens a month from then hmm it's like after I clean my car and I'm like, I've done it. This is, it's clean. We're going to be organized. And then like two weeks later, there's a banana rotting under my butt.
1: You know? I hate that. I hate a butt banana. Me too.
0: <laughs> there is currently a banana rotting somewhere in my car. Oh
1: God. Yeah. You know? I was always like in school. I feel like I always had a rotting banana in my backpack.
0: Oh gross. Totally. You know? to <laughs> Totally. <laughs> <sighs> uh, well, we'll get there. You know, it's also so. hard. It's hard to 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 balance work and life, and then keeping your spaces organized. Yeah. Um, but I would love to know how listeners do it.
1: Yeah, and it it just it it makes me feel like I'm not quite a grown up.
0: Oh, uh, totally. You know? Yes, I I a hundred percent feel that way. Like when oh I barely God. make my bed, and yeah. I'm like, I look like I, this is like I'm in high school. While we're on this topic, can somebody tell me how to store? pots and pans and frying pans in two drawers that I have in my home? I don't know. We have a pot rack. Oh, that might be an interesting... I don't know where that would go in my house. Um, I mean, not like anyone here mm. is sitting in my kitchen, but like I literally just keep cramming pots into this drawer and hoping it shuts. You
1: know, we we have a pot rack because we didn't have enough storage, but I actually kind of like it.
0: Okay. I'll take a Googling on that.
1: Because then you're... Your pots and pans are just sort of like in front of you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they're easy to access. Okay. And then I got one of those lid organizers, and I stuck it on top. So all my lids are on the top. I'll check out your pot rack when yeah. we're done
0: here. are done. you here? look
1: into that? Yeah, a pot rack. Okay. All right. Okay. Speaking of pot. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real me move. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> I like it. A lot of puns happening. <laughs> I
0: went to see Fish. You sure did. My favorite band. Did you get high? No, not oh, really. No, okay. I did have one beer, and the altitude in Colorado, which is where I was, was so oh. intense that I was like, "I'm
1: hammered."
0: <laughs> um, but I had a great time, and I did dance.
1: Oh, amazing! The
0: night away. I With love fish. Thousands of
1: your fellow My fish people. Heads.
0: I just I love fish so much. I love being have being a fish fan for twenty five something years. That must feel good. It does. Like it brings me such freaking joy. I just it was the best, anyway.
1: And you're wearing a crossover fish <laughs> Red Sox
0: T-shirt today, really on brand for the thing. My hobbies, but, but can I tell you something? Yes. I think I have a hobby. Wow, I've been making friendship bracelets. Wow, wow, for for just for the fun of it, like wow. to give my kids that is and a then hobby. Maybe to make one for myself.
1: Are you wearing Are you wearing this? One? Is
0: my wristband from the fish show? Oh, yeah, okay. not yet. Oh, well, I I have to give one to each of my children, and then I was going to start making them for myself. <gasps>
1: I love it. It seems very therapeutic.
0: It's calming. Yeah. It's soothing in the way that I think people who do like cross stitch Mm -hmm. and sewing and knitting find that to be soothing. But I can't do those things. Yeah. But I can like tie two knots on a string and then go on to the next string.
1: Yeah. Are you doing like patterns?
0: I did a chevron pattern.
1: Ooh! And I was really proud. Oh my gosh. I've never
0: done that before. So I'm going to try to learn... That's Some so patterns. Cool. If anyone wants a Kate Spencer friendship bracelet, I mean, okay, Dory. I didn't. I don't want to force one on you. Raising no- my hand. Okay, I'll get you one. I'll make one in very Dory colors, oh, good. like okay. gray, black. Maybe wow. a gentle, like a like a rusty orange. Oh yeah, yeah. that's now a do- you're that's a Dory. Color. Now you're talking.
1: Yeah um wow that's very exciting yes and you're doing it with your daughters i t- i was doing it with them
0: my eight-year-old actually figured out how to do a very basic one my six-year-old nice. is just braiding the strings and okay. then getting frustrated okay. but that's fine like that i don't totally fun. but i am i was gonna make them each one because they're kind of into all that what's mm-hmm. old is new again dory
1: yes chokers are and they friendship playing bracelets.
0: jacks no no dory not do bad. kids play
1: jacks anymore
0: i don't unless it's on an iphone <laughs> I mean, my kids don't have phones, but I'm talking about like teens. I don't think children play jacks. bring jacks back. Did you play jacks? Yeah, camp. I never played jacks. It was like a rainy day
1: activity. Really? Yeah, we would like sit in the bunk and play jacks. Do I sound like I was born in 1910? You do. You do sound like if my mom was my podcast (laughs) co-host.
0: Yeah, you do. Um, I have a question for you because you made a note of something here in our show notes, which is that you took the Twitter app off your phone. Yes. Um,
1: Welcome. Thank you. What made you decide to do that? You know, I was just sort of like, I don't need to be looking at this all the time. This is not serving me. And then I'd taken it off my phone, but I still had it on my iPad. And then I was like, no, I don't need it on here either. And the way that my Twitter is set up, I have two-factor authentication turned on and um, I have to generate a code using code authenticator on my phone to get into Twitter. So I can't even like, if I'm on my iPad in the bedroom and I try to get to Twitter through the web, I can't because my phone's in the other room and I'm like, all right.
0: That's great.
1: So that's been good. So I've been checking it like maybe once a day on my computer. And sometimes I've just been like forgetting to check it and it feels good.
0: Cut it loose. Yeah.
1: And then when I do go into it, it's that thing that always happens when you haven't been on Twitter for a while. You, It's like you're entering mid-conversation. Yes. You know? (laughs) Yep. It's like
0: you rolled in at a party. Yep.
1: Everyone's talking about the thing and they've already like made the initial jokes about the thing. And now we've moved on to like the third or fourth stage of the thing. There's like the backlash and the backlash to the backlash. And you're like, what's the thing? Yeah. We're like, where are we in the outrage cycle on this thing? And then I'm like, wait, what are we even talking about? What are people mad about? And then I'm like, this is exhausting. And I close out of it. (laughs) That sounds like a healthy choice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Wait, and you have been getting very into Uh something that I am very into.
0: I've turned into you. Maybe you took Twitter off your phone, which is a thing I would do. Oh, my God. And I now can't stop buying things secondhand online.
1: Yeah. Welcome. Whoa. Whoa.
0: I am trying to be more conscious of my consumption, meaning not buying things new. Whether it's fast fashion or slow fashion. Yes. There's so many clothes already out there. Things that I like and I want. Totally. So I'm really, I am really trying and I have to do this with my kids too is by secondhand. Yeah. I have also been as a part of this selling things. Yes. On Poshmark. Yes. So I'm slow going at it. Um, I will share my Poshmark name if anyone wants to ch- buy some size 11 shoes. I mean, <laughs> you're out there, right? My yeah. size 11 friends. Um, but I am just starting to kind of put things up on there and learn the ropes and learn mm-hmm. how people cuz there's a whole it's like a whole system.
1: Oh, it's a whole system. Yes,
0: and I don't know the ins and outs. Yep. I would love to be able to commit to fully shopping that way. I don't know if I can. Yeah. But I'm interested in exploring it more. The same way that I'm doing my meatless meals.
1: You know what I'm saying? You know what I think what I try to do, which is this is just a rule I've made for myself. Go on. I try to find the thing second hand I, I try I always look for the thing secondhand first. Does that make sense?
0: Sure. Like, you need a new pair of shorts. I'll go look i I'll second go hand look first. secondhand.
1: If I can't find anything, then I will buy it new. But I feel like I always just want to do my due diligence. That's great. To find it secondhand.
0: I mean, the next step that I am genuinely curious about that I don't think I would ever do is making our own clothes.
1: Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. I used to, like, want a sewing machine. And then I was like, where am I going to put a sewing machine?
0: Well, and let's <laughs> not at We just rattled on about our clutter yeah, exactly i used to make my own clothes when i was like a full-on patchwork fish oh, follower i okay. mean i'm still a fish follower but yeah. i don't wear patchwork pants anymore but i used to sew my own clothes Oh, that's awesome but i actually just bought a shirt off of poshmark from a woman i follow on instagram Ooh, and she i'm loving everything she about made it herself
1: oh and i cool. love the
0: cut i love the style i love the material and i thought awesome. that was really
1: cool yeah that is very
0: cool i'll send you uh
1: yeah, send me her info. Send yeah. me her deep.
0: I believe her handle on Instagram is This Mom's Gonna Snap. Oh. She's a photographer.
1: Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I like it. I yep. like
0: that. Yep. Good follow.
1: So let's take a short break. And okay. then when we come back, we're gonna be talking about sex.
0: We are gonna talk about all kinds of boning. Yes. That's also sex. That's what I call sex boning. Yeah. Can you tell I get nervous talking about sex?
1: Sex, 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 <laughs> oh, sex, sex. Oh my god. Sex. Okay. Okay. BRB. <laughs> Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Kate, I feel like we are, like, barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more Our guest today is Vanessa Marin. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, We're so excited to have you. Um, We're just going to read your bio and then We'll get right into it. We are going to get down. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Vanessa Marin is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sex therapy. She has bachelor's degrees in human sexuality and sociology from Brown University and a master's degree in counseling psychology. She writes for The New York Times, Allure, and Life Hacker, and has been featured over a thousand times in major publications like Oh! The Oprah Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, Refinery29, and Real Simple. Vanessa specializes in online programs that help you transform your sex life from ordinary to extraordinary, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Through courses like The Passion Project, A Couple's Blueprint to Rediscovering Desire and Reigniting the Spark, and Finishing School, Learn How to Orgasm, she finds immense joy in spreading the message that we all deserve more from our sex lives.
2: And Woo! Amen. <laughs> it's what? always funny to hear your own bio read right yeah. back to you. <laughs> it's very weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. So, why did you want to get into this line
2: of work? So it all traces back to one very specific memory. It was my parents trying to give me the talk. Um, So I very clearly remember it. We were in our minivan cruising home from grandma's house after our our, uh, weekly family dinner. And my parents looked at me. It was my mom was driving and she looked at me in the rearview mirror. And she asked me, so do you have any questions about, you know, And I knew that she meant sex. And I also knew very clearly in that moment, despite the fact that I was maybe 11 or 12 years old, I knew that she was asking me if I had any questions, but really she did not want me to ask any questions. Right. And yeah, so I just have this super clear memory of of thinking, why is this so embarrassing? Why are my mom and dad so embarrassed to talk about? I did have a lot of questions at that time. I was starting to hear things on the playground and, you know, there, and, and I had a close relationship with my parents too. So it felt really strange for there to be this topic that was very off limits. Mm. Um, So I just remember even from that experience thinking, you know, this isn't something that we should be so embarrassed about. Why can't we talk about it? Why can't I ask questions about it? And that really has been the foundation of my entire career. It's just like, why can't we talk about it? Why can't we talk about it in the same way that we talk about what we're having for dinner or what we're going to wear the next day? So that's what I'm all about now.
1: Nice. I love that one conversation kind of led to this lifetime of interest, interest yeah. exploration, a whole
2: career. Yeah. So now my parents say that they don't feel so bad about really flubbing their first attempt. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we did it on
0: purpose. We knew this was your calling.
2: Yeah. They're kind of proud about it now. <laughs> and what has been
0: your experience when you talk to people about sex, sex therapy, sexuality? I feel like we still are so. I mean, I can still feel myself a 40 year old grown up with two kids who has had sex feeling shy talking about it. I'm, I'm curious what people's reactions are and how you kind of encourage openness about the subject.
2: Yeah, I think most people would share your experience. You know, a lot of us feel really shy talking about sex and we feel embarrassed. And even if we understand, hey, sex is something that's normal, everybody does it. I obviously, you know, I have two kids, so I obviously have done it. You know, even if we get rationally that we shouldn't be embarrassed, the actual experience of it still winds up being very embarrassing for most of us. So that's why, you know, so much of my work, regardless of the specific topic that we're talking about or the challenge that I'm helping my couple uh, clients solve, it really just comes back to let's get started with making these conversations more comfortable. So the way that I approach it is one, just kind of giving that same sort of reassurance and validation like I just did, that this is hard for everyone. And I talk about a lot of my own experiences as well. And, you know, times that I struggle to talk about sex or to vocalize what I want or, you know, give a piece of feedback. Um, So I, I try to normalize it in that way. And then I also just try to use a sense of humor with it too. I think sex, you know, we take sex very seriously, but at the same time, I think sex is really funny. And so I just try to bring a sense of humor, a little bit of a sense of lightness into my work with my clients. And I think if I can get them to just giggle a little bit about how silly it is, then that can help lighten up the situation too. Well, should we get to some questions from our we have listeners? So, we have
0: so many that I feel yeah. like we should yeah. delve in. Uh, and right. this is a topic that our listeners have asked us to get into for a while. So I'm really, we're really excited to pick your brain. Um, the, one of the biggest we I think one of the, we, we opened, uh, questions to our audience up on Instagram and the biggest, kind of the two biggest ones were about low sex drive and how to get it back. And, uh, so let's just maybe start there. Um, so many people want to know, a lot of people are struggling with low sex drive period all the time. Mm-hmm. Some For some people, it seems to be that they're in a relationship for a while and they're struggling with their sex drive. We had a lot of people ask about after having children, how to get their sex drive back. When someone comes to you and is like, I want to be interested in sex, but it's like literally the last thing I'm interested in right now. How do you work with them? What do you tell them?
2: Yeah, I'm so excited that this is one of the main topics that came up because this is one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about. So the, the first essential message that I start with whenever I'm working with sex drive is this idea that our sex drive isn't something that happens to us. It's something that we have to create. And so I think the issue that comes up for most people is we're kind of sitting around like waiting for this sense of desire to just strike us like lightning, like out of nowhere. And for the vast majority of us, that's just not how our desire really works on an ongoing basis or on a frequent basis. Maybe every once in a while we feel that. But the majority of the time we're tired, we're overwhelmed, we have a million other things on our plate, and it just doesn't feel like there's the space for that to happen. So I really like to start with this idea that it's not something that just happens to us. It's something that if it's important to us, that we have to create. So we have to think about what do I need to do to get myself in the mood? What kind of context do I need to have in place? What kind of relationship do I need to have with my partner? What kind of specific things do I need in the moment? So it just opens up this huge world of possibilities if we can get ourselves to start thinking about it in that way.
0: Can we keep going? So like what would let's say like what would a conversation say? I have a low sex drive, but I'm embarrassed to talk to my partner about it. How do we open up that conversation? How do we do it in a way that feels also like we're not insulting our partner? I feel like so much. There's this like Mm, weird feeling of hurt feelings Mm -hmm. that can come into it.
2: Yeah, so I think what we what we need to start with is first of all recognizing like your partner knows what's going on. I think a lot of times we're hesitant to talk about sex with our partners, but the reality is like your partner's in that sex life with you. They understand that hey, it's been a really long time since we have sex or we, you know, just don't have sex that regularly. So, I think it would just be starting with opening a conversation about, hey, you know, our sex life just isn't where I would like it to be. And I have a sense maybe that it's not where you'd like it to be either. And I know that this is just a challenge that so many couples have. You know, we're both really tired all the time. We do have a lot of stuff on our plate. We've got all these responsibilities. We have the kids. You know, I know that there's a lot that feels like it might be stacked up against us, but I want to get a sense of how can we work together as a team to make sure that our sex life is something that we continue prioritizing and making the time and the space for. So I really like that idea of approaching it as a team and thinking about what can we do together? Because I think very often the person with the lower sex drive ends up feeling like there's something that's wrong with them, that they're kind of broken in some way. You know, why do I not ever want to have sex with my partner anymore? And they'll usually take this sense of blame upon themselves. And that can feel even more stuck. Now you, you have one more thing that you're overwhelmed about. Now you're the broken partner too. So I think if you can turn it around a little bit and talk about it as what can we do as a team to make sure that we continue prioritizing our sex lives. And then I think that's where we get into a lot of the other, we can kind of talk about it in a more practical way. Like what are the things that are getting in the way of our sex life and what are the things that we need to add more of? So I like thinking of it in that two-pronged approach. Um, so I sort of think of our sex drive as having like a reverse mode and a drive mode. So the reverse mode are the things that like actively pull us away from sex. They you know create blockages for us. They actively make us be not in the mood. And then the things that put us into drive mode are the things that get us going, that make us excited about sex, make us open to sex, enjoy sex, all of that kind of thing. And so I actually think it's... it's. Uh, better to start with identifying the blockages to your sex drive first. We got to clear that stuff out before we can work on adding new things to your sex life. So if you take a look at, okay, what might be putting me in reverse? Maybe it is that I'm exhausted all the time. So maybe that opens up some bigger conversations of, okay, what kind of stuff is on your plate right now? What can we delegate out? What can we say no to? How can we make sure that you're sleeping more? How can we be a better team and and you know divide and conquer? little bit easier. Um, So maybe that's something. Sometimes um, I work with clients and there's really practical stuff. Like we feel like we actually don't have very much privacy to have sex. And so sometimes it's really simple fixes like, can you put a lock on your door? Can you get a little sound machine so you can play some white noise? Um, That kind of stuff. So taking a look at the reverse mode first and then taking a look at the drive mode after that.
1: Okay. So once you're in the drive mode... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this, is a, this is a question we got from a listener. What are some instructions you can give to your partner about touch and sensation without sounding like air traffic control?
2: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Okay. So first of all, I think that most of us are really hypersensitive to how our feedback is going to be heard. We're much more sensitive to it than it, our partner actually is sensitive about hearing it. So especially for female clients, um, a lot of my female clients will just agonize over the exact right way to share something with their partner. And the reality is when I talk to the partner, they're they're like, oh, I just want to know more about what's going on for her. You know, like I want to hear more about what she's experiencing and they don't really need to hear it in this exact perfect way. So I'll sort of couch on couch that in, in that um, idea first is that we don't need to be quite as nervous. I think, um, about delivering this kind of feedback. But one way that you can talk about giving feedback in a more playful way is like turn it into a game and pretend with your partner that you're you're just like curious about something. You want to explore something. Like, "Hey, I wonder what it would be like if we tried this. I'm really curious about, you know, like having more kissing in our relationship or I'm really curious about what it would be like if you touched my thighs a little gentler." Um so one really easy way to turn it into a game is um, I call this just the A-B game. Um, so basically what you do is you have your partner touch you in two different ways. So let's say you're working with your thigh and you have your partner pick two different kinds of stimulation. So maybe one is that they're just gliding their fingertips over your thigh. So have them do that for a few seconds. You take a second to kind of tune into like, okay, do I like that? How does that feel? And then have them do a second type. So maybe this type, it's more of like a massaging kind of thing. There, you know, a lot more pressure there. Have them do that for a few seconds. And then you get a sense, okay, do I like A better or do I like B better? And you can have them go back and forth like, hey, try A for a few more seconds. Wait, okay, now try B for a few more seconds. Um, and then you tell them, you know what? I liked A a lot better, um, even if it's just a little bit better. Yeah, I liked A better. And then move on to a different part of your body or ask them, let's stick with my thigh, but now try two more different kinds of strokes. So that way it just feels like you guys are exploring together rather than you having the right answer and your partner keeps getting it wrong. It just makes it feel more open and more playful.
0: I love that. I like that too.
2: Yeah. I'm
0: going to come home and be like, uh, Anthony, A or B? <laughs> I've yeah. i <got> two choices. <laughs> um, here's, here's a question that kind of uh, – i think plays on what we've been discussing is how can we avoid this is a listener question how can we avoid just doing the same things even that we like every time and i think maybe also <laughs> like same positions uh, and another way i'm sure we we phrase it all the time is like how do you spice it up or like <laughs> how do you even know what positions to try
2: yeah, this is such a great, great question. And I appreciate too that she, that the person said, you know, these are things that we like because I think that's, you know, that's what makes it so easy to get into a routine is that they are things that we like, but then we just keep doing them over and over again. And then it's really easy to get tired of them. So bunch of different things. Um, I do have a challenge on that I sell on my website that's specifically for this purpose. It's called the 30 Day Sex Challenge. And it's um, an email-based challenge where every day you get an email with two different ideas of things that you can do in the bedroom with your partner. So I think doing stuff like that can be super fun and playful because it's actually giving you specific ideas of things to do. And there's a kind of element of surprise, too, because you don't know until you see the email what that thing is going to be for the day. Um, but you could set something like this up yourself as well, like write down what are all the things that you guys like to do in the bedroom together and get as specific and detailed as you can make as long of a list as you can and then you could even you know print that out like cut out little strips of paper, fold them up and put it in a, in a jar beside your bed. And maybe it's that you pick one thing out in the morning and then you're going to do it later that night. Oh, you know, so again, you're just, yeah, you're creating that element of, of surprise and uh, excitement. Um, you can also create like rules for yourselves. Like you could say, okay, we're not going to do, we're never allowed to do the same position three times in a row. Um, you can also make rules about what you are and aren't allowed to do on a certain night. So, for heterosexual couples, we really tend to default to doing intercourse. But what if you say, okay, we're not allowed to have intercourse for the next three times that we have sex, or, you know, every Wednesday is no intercourse day, you know, whatever it is. Maybe there are certain days where you're only allowed to touch each other with your hands, or you're only allowed to use your mouths, or you're going to masturbate together. So even though it's obviously artificial, you're putting these rules on yourself, nobody's really going to go enforce them. Um, It still feels fun to limit yourselves in that way. When we limit ourselves, it actually makes us be more creative.
0: You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid forties, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad; they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory.
1: Mm. Okay, which is okay. I know
0: bull on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about.
1: Well, kind of uh along those lines. Uh someone asked, I struggle to orgasm with a partner. How can I have a conversation with them about it?
2: Ah, yes, my other favorite topic to talk about. <laughs> Female orgasm is my, my jam. So, for orgasming in front of a partner, I am not sure of this person's particular background, but my recommendation is always that you have to learn how to get there on your own first. So I work with a lot of women who have never had an orgasm and they just want to skip to learning how to get there with their partner. And so I'm really clear about we have to learn how to experience orgasm on our own first because it's our body. We have to learn what makes our body tick and what our body needs before we can teach that to a partner. So first thing is learning how to get there on your own, and we can definitely go into lots of details details about how to do that if you guys want or if there were any questions about that yeah (laughs) well we you know we've Um, had listeners reach out um we had a listener reach
0: out a while back who had never had an orgasm uh, on their own or with their partner and um we had a few people you know ask about orgasming and i think i think this is another area of shame is that there are a, a lot of i mean we're talking specifically, I think about women identified people right now who have not had an orgasm Mm -hmm. and think that they just can't um, and would like to, but don't know where to start. So so just kind of digging all the way into it, I think would be really helpful.
2: Yeah. So again, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. And I think what makes me so passionate about it is that the majority of the resources that you see out there about female orgasm are all really generic. So you hear the same old advice over and over again about like, just relax, don't think about it, don't try to make it happen. And, you know, we never actually see like specific detailed, you know, step-by-step advice about how to make it happen. And I think that just this really vague advice really contributes to women feeling even more broken. Like, oh, my God, I've, I've tried not to think about it. And that doesn't work. What's wrong with me? So it's really important to me to be super practical and nitty gritty about it. Um, and I do I also have a free video series that I put together like all about leading you through like my exact step and I can maybe put together like a little special URL for forever 35 listeners to go check it out because it definitely will go into a lot more detail than I can do right now unless you guys want to do like a three hour long podcast episode <laughs> which I'm totally down for but uh I <laughs> wow can that up reaching later. orgasm is very complicated yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's really not that's another big myth it's not that complicated we just need the accurate information and and so that's why I spend a lot of time just going into all the detail because I just want to combat all of these articles that over and over again are like, just have a glass of wine and don't think about it. Um, so I, I geek out about female orgasm. I can go a little overboard <laughs> about it, but I can set that can up. Can you give us but, a little a little preview? Yeah. yeah. So um, my I basically boil it down to um, four specific techniques uh, that you want to go through. So first is figuring out whether you like direct or indirect stimulation on your clitoris. So female orgasm is all about the clitoris. That's the main pleasure center for female bodies. Um, and that's, you know, what we need to create stimulation around. And so we need to figure out what kind of stimulation your clitoris likes, whether it's direct or it's indirect. Um, so that's the first step. Then we figure out. Oh, wait, I have um, a
0: question. Yeah. What is, yeah. <laughs> what is the what is
2: indirect stimulation? Yeah, great question. So the indirect stimulation can happen in a bunch of different ways. So I wish we were doing a video right now because I have my I have a little 3D model of the clitoris. Ooh. So basically what most people think of as the clitoris, we think of it as just that little nub of skin that's visible, you know, if you pull your labia apart. So direct stimulation would be you're having direct skin to skin contact with your labia or sorry with your clitoris, excuse me. Um indirect stimulation would be if you're not directly touching the clitoris. So maybe it's that you are you have your clitoral hood pulled over the clitoris and you're stroking the hood but not actually the clitoris itself. Maybe you're stroking to the side of the clitoris but again not directly touching it. Um it could be holding your labia closed over the clitoris touching over that. Um, And then the reason that I wanted the model is because the clitoris actually extends up into our body. Um, It's a wishbone shape. So it's so much bigger than just that little nub of skin that you see visible, you know, to the human eye. It goes up into your body, splits off into these two legs, exactly like a wishbone. And so you can stimulate those legs internally. Um, So you can't touch them directly, but through the walls of the vagina, if you um, exert some pressure, you can get indirect stimulation that way. So a lot of different ways to get indirect stimulation. But most women tend to like one kind of stimulation over the other. Either they like that direct skin-to-skin contact or they like the more indirect stimulation.
0: Thank you for clarifying.
2: Yeah, no worries. Um, so then next up is getting sense of what kind of stroke feels good on your clitoris. Um, So again, this is like where I like, I just geek out about getting super nitty gritty about it because a lot of people are like, okay, so I I touch my clitoris, but like, what do I do? Like, how exactly do I touch it? So I go into all different kinds of strokes that you can try. And because I've been doing this so long, I have finishing school, that online course that thousands of women have gone through. um, I've gathered information about like, what tend to be the most popular strokes So um, I share some of those uh, in that series as well, some of the most common ones. So it's just getting a sense of like what is the exact stroke that your body tends to respond best to. And then the two final things that we narrow in on are the pressure and the speed that you like. So I usually like to start with pressure first because that tends to be a bit more sensitive for most women. Uh, Some women like really, really, really delicate pressure. Um, You know, the clitters can be very, very sensitive and some women... And it's like you touch it too hard, and I'm like, you know, just it's way too much. Um, And other women like really intense pressure. You know, you really want to be like exerting a lot of force on it. So getting a sense of what kind of pressure feels best, and then once you have a an idea of that, honing in on the speed that feels best for you. So experimenting with going a lot slower, going a lot faster, and kind of trying to find what your speed is. So I use I call it the Goldilocks method for pressure and speed, where you're trying to find like what's too little, what's too much and what's just right. And so for
0: for people looking to communicate to their partner about their challenges, orgasming with a partner, what do you how do you recommend they bring that up?
2: I think that it's best to have that conversation with a new partner as soon as you can. Um, As soon as you guys are starting to become intimate with each other, wherever that is in your particular timeline. But I think that just setting that expectation right from the get-go can be really, really useful. It can make you so much more at ease, can set your partner at ease, and it just sets the two of you off on a nice foot together. So I think that it's best to just present it really straightforwardly. Uh, A lot of times women tell me that they feel very embarrassed having this conversation. It's, It's like they're confessing that they've done something terrible. And so I like to remind them that you haven't done anything wrong. You know, this is completely normal. This happens to everyone. And regardless of your relationship with your orgasm, every time you're with a new partner, you kind of have to relearn like how to, you know, what you like, how your bodies fit together, how you communicate with that partner. So, so it's you know it's something that we have to keep doing as long as we keep having new partners but i like saying something like hey just so you know i don't orgasm with a new partner right away but it's not a big deal to me so you're just being very you know straightforward to the point but very casual about it um, and I've also heard from a lot of partners who really appreciated having that transparency right at the beginning because it just set them at ease, too. It made them feel like they didn't have to magically know exactly what to do to get you off, you know, right from the very get-go. Um, it gave them some space and some permission to like, ah, oh, OK, yeah, we'll figure this out together as we go.
0: If someone is, uh, quote, a masturbating rookie, as one listener put it, how do they get <laughs> into a mental and physical space to enjoy doing it?
2: Oh, that's a good question. So I would start with recognizing that it's not going to be wildly exciting at first. So this is where this is something that trips up a lot of the women who are in finishing school is they start these masturbation practices and they're like, I'm not wildly turned on and excited when I'm doing it. But that's totally normal. You know, we have to Figure out what our bodies need to get ourselves like really excited and feeling a lot of pleasure. So just recognize that like it's not going to feel crazy amazing right from the get go. And that's totally okay. Give yourself some time and some space to figure out what it is that your body responds to and what you enjoy. And then you can use the same sort of of. model that I was talking about earlier about this, you know, drive mode and reverse mode about thinking about, you know, what gets you feeling in a space that feels like relaxed and excited and looking forward to this. So the things that put you in reverse, you know, again, it might be some obvious things like you need to have some privacy, you need to have, um, you need to make sure that you have the the time to do it, you don't feel like a time crunch, or somebody's going to be coming home in five minutes, so you got to do it really quickly, that kind of thing. And then with drive mode, it comes down to us exploring different dynamics that help get us in the mood. So there are lots of different things to try. It could be maybe if you have really good candlelight uh, or you know good lighting in your bedroom, that makes you feel like really soothed and relaxed. Maybe you have your favorite playlist of like sexy 90s jams <laughs> on Spotify, and that helps you you know just get into the groove with it. Maybe it's wearing some sort of lingerie or clothing that you feel really good in. It makes you feel, confident. Um, maybe it's watching yourself in the mirror and like watching what you're doing. So there are a lot of different things that we can play with. And it just comes down to like experimenting with each of those and and figuring out which ones work for you. Here's a question that I loved, which is should bad sex slash
1: kissing be a deal breaker in a new relationship? Can it be fixed?
2: Ooh, that's a good one. So it. It depends. It's gonna be, for some people, it might be a deal breaker. For others, it might not. Uh, and it depends on how bad are we talking about. So let me couch all of that and <laughs> just saying that I'm a really firm believer that we create great sex. That it's not something that just happens. Um, I think that we, there's a lot of work that goes into creating a great sex life with your partner and maintaining it in the long term. So I've been with my husband for 12 years. We have a great sex life. And we put a whole lot of work into having a great sex life. Um, we had, at the beginning of our relationship, good enough chemistry for me to be willing to want to do that work. Um, so I think that's kind of you know one of the defining things. And it's a tricky line. It's hard to describe like what exactly is good enough. Um, So you want to feel like you have the potential to have really good chemistry with a partner, but also this understanding of if we work together to explore our own likes, to communicate about what we like, to continue prioritizing it, you know, we will create a sex life that feels a lot better. But, you know, if it's Yeah. If it's like just really, really bad, maybe it's not something that can be overcome. But in general, I've I've found that a lot of things can be overcome if you're willing to talk about it.
0: Can we talk about vibrators? Yeah. Do you like them? Do you recommend them? Do you have, I know there's no one size fits all Vibrator slash I know we could be talking about like I get a little confused like a dildo is not and also this is just I mean, this is for people who want a vibrator. Anyway, I'm getting overwhelmed myself. This classic <laughs> me. But like, do you recommend vibrators for people? Do you have one that you love? Is there a good like starter vibe for someone just looking to, you know, have a have a daily orgasm?
2: Yeah, so I love vibrators. I think they're awesome. I think technology is amazing and it's helping us do amazing things in the bedroom too. Um, I do think that we all need to be thoughtful about the role that we want vibrators to play in our sex lives. So I do not believe that you can get addicted to a vibrator. I think that's just like crazy weird fear mongering that gets thrown out there. But I do think that what we can get used to is just the ease at which a vibrator can deliver an orgasm. And so I work with a lot of women who exclusively use vibrators and then they want to learn how to orgasm in other ways, but they get really frustrated because it's like, I can get myself off with my vibrator in 30 seconds. And now if I'm trying to use my hand or my partner's trying to use their hand, you know, it's feeling like it takes 20, 30, 40 minutes. Um, So we just have to think about, you know, do you want to use your vibrator almost exclusively for the majority of your orgasms, that's awesome. Go for it. If you want to learn how to have orgasms in other ways, then spend a little bit of time, um, orgasming, you know, learning on how to orgasm in other ways as well. Um, in terms of vibrators. So, okay, this breaks my heart a little bit because I have an absolute favorite vibrator that I love so much. And I think it's the perfect vibrator for women who have never used a vibrator before, but they really consistently have manufacturing issues and they keep going in and out of being available. So I recommend it. And then people get really upset because they're like, it's not in stock right now. And they don't know when it's going to be back in stock. Um, but I just love it so much that I can't help myself from recommending it. So it is, um, by this company called Mina Life, Minna Life, M I N N A. And there are actually two of them. My personal favorite is the limon. Um, it's a, it looks like a little lemon. Um, so you hold it, in your hand. And the other one is called the Ola. And that's a longer wand style vibrator. And the reason that I like both of these so much is they have um, this patented squeeze technology. So basically, the harder you squeeze the vibrator, the harder the vibrations go. And the more you let up on it, the lighter the vibrations get. So I really like that, especially for beginners, because it's really intuitive. Um, I often find that other vibrators, you have to use like a little, you know, buttons or even like a little knobs or dials to adjust the vibration. And it just gets really distracting. And you're having to stop yourself in the moment to turn it down or turn it up. And I just don't really love that. But I love that with the minilife, Life, um, the Minna vibrators, it's just squeezing a little bit harder or letting go of the thing. Um, and that changes that. So I'm sorry if it's not available right now, but I highly recommend it. They're just so great
1: looking at them both right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, if someone wants to become a sex therapist, how did, how would they do
2: that? Ooh, that's a great question. So, the really interesting thing about sex therapy is that it's not regulated in the same sort of way that like psychotherapy is or that doctors are. So, there's not a standardized education that you need to get to be a sex therapist. Um, so it makes it really difficult to pursue this career because you don't know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. So in general, I get a lot of people who reach out to me and ask about this. And I generally recommend that you start with, um, graduate school for psychotherapy and become a licensed psychotherapist and then pursue some sort of, um, you know, postgraduate training in sexuality, The reason for that is that I just think sex is such a a complex issue and so many big things can come up that I really think it's so useful to have a background in counseling and how you work with people with really big emotions and, you know, experiences and traumas and all of that kind of thing. So I find that to be super, super useful. I don't do a ton of psychotherapy myself anymore these days, but I rely on that training every single day. So that's generally what I would recommend is just get that foundation so that you can really be able to serve your clients when big stuff comes up for them.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the job market like for sex therapists?
2: I think that it is going to get very, very big very soon. I think that people are um, getting – we're getting more used to the idea of like life coaching mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So I think that – sex therapy as coaching is going to become a lot more popular. Um, I especially think the online courses area is going to really explode. Um, So I think it's just such a good fit for sex related stuff because you have that, the comfort and privacy of your own home, but you can get really practical, actionable, um, you know, solutions and strategies for working on your sex life. So I do think that there's, yeah, really big potential for growth here. And I'd love to see more people just coming into the field because we I mean everybody has sex issues of one you know one kind or another and I think we need more people out there to to help us all work through this
0: do you have I'm assuming a question that you might get a lot is someone bringing up an issue like I have sex this many times a week or my partner and I do this or I want this followed by is this normal mm-hmm. and I'm wondering is there any baseline for normal when it comes to sex or is everything are we all okay where we are, if that makes sense?
2: Yeah. I don't think there's any such thing as normal when it comes to sex. And I don't think it's even a useful question for us to ask ourselves. I think that there are so many different ways to have sex and to relate to sex and I think that they're all okay. So yeah, we're all going to have our own challenges, our own stories, our own histories, um all of that, but I think that, you know, trying to measure ourselves up to, you know, well how often are my neighbors having sex and what kind of sex do they have and all that. It's just, you know, it's just not useful. So instead, I think it's a lot better for us to get can we get curious about ourselves? Like, do I enjoy the kind of sex that I'm having? Is there something that I want that I haven't been allowing myself to ask for or to try to experience? Is there a way that I want to connect with my partner that I'm not doing? Um, You know, looking at it just through our own lens. But yeah, I think we're all okay where we all are. And we can all just get curious about what that place is. And if it's something that's really serving us and, and making us feel good. Well, this has been a blast to get to talk to you, Vanessa. Oh, it's been so much fun for me, too. They've been some great questions.
0: Well, we are a bunch of people who want to have more
1: sex. (laughs) (laughs) More and better. More and better, right? There's always room for more and better. Um, Vanessa, where can people find you and where can they take these online courses?
2: So they can find me at vmtherapy.com, and I'll set up a little page at vmtherapy.com slash forever35 with some of the stuff that we talked about today and that I think might be useful for your listeners. But yeah, you can check me out over there. And I'm also super active on Instagram at Vanessa Marin Therapy. I do daily stories where I talk about different tips and strategies and suggestions and uh, answer reader questions and all that fun stuff. Cool.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. I felt very
1: um, like I I had bad sex education when I was talking to Vanessa.
0: You mean you're realizing that the education you had as a yes. youth
1: was bad? Yeah. Just I feel like people's sexual literacy is low.
0: Well, that's... I mean, that is a whole conversation we could be having about yeah. how we're talking to our f-
1: children, each yeah. other. It's like, I mean, porn is great, but porn is not sexual literacy.
0: No. Porn is great, though, you think?
1: I think, like, porn can be great. All right. Well, okay. Um, Kate. Dory. Did you dance like no one was watching?
0: I mean, yes, I did. I rocked so hard. That the next day, I had to take a three-hour nap, and then (laughs) I went to bed at 9.45 at
1: night. But you know, I was actually thinking about this. You might have had a little altitude sickness.
0: (gasps) Oh. You might have been dehydrated. I was... Well, can I tell you? I've been meaning to text you this. This is hashtag not an ad. I was pounding our friend Liquid IV. Oh, okay. At every corner. Okay. Putting into water bottles the whole time I was in Colorado. At Fish, I would sitting on the ground opening up my little packets. Okay. So I tried so hard to hydrate, but you're it is possible that I did have a little bit of that yeah. old altitude sickness. Yeah, you might have. Yeah. Because I was wiped out. Aww. I mean, it's fine, but I, I did I, I was like it felt like a migraine was starting a little yeah. bit. But then, you know, lots of napping, lots of sleeping, lots of dancing.
1: Lots of dancing. How What's about, your intention oh. for this week?
0: I have to make appointments. Mm. I have to I, I hit it out of the park with making that mammogram appointment. Yeah. But there are so many other appointments that need to be made. Okay. I've got to get, I got to go to the foot doctor. I got to get my hair cut. I've got to, I got to make a dentist appointment. I mean, I just Just have like life maintenance. I just got to, yeah, I just have them sitting there on my to-do list and every day I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And then I just don't do it. So I just got to make the appointments. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it though. How about you? Your intention was to not stress about traveling.
1: Yeah, I did okay with that. Um Matt and I only got in like one fight as we were packing up the car that he actually de-escalated. Good work. Which I was like, oh, therapy works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Does work. Um What were you was it just one of those like bickering like rah, kind of fights?
1: He had he's been making these shakes. And he, he had like, it looked like he had made a shake and just like left all this like powder on the kitchen counter. We've had ants and I was just like, what the fuck, Matt? Like, can't you clean up after yourself? And I was like, Wr-r-r-r. you know, you're like talking to yourself and like, I'm like cleaning. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. cause he had been like, let's get the car seat. Like, let's go. And so I was like, okay, he's ready to go. He's obviously not cleaning up this mess. And so I cleaned it up and then he came back in the house and I was like, don't worry. I cleaned up your mess or something along those lines. how sassy of you It was pretty sassy and he got so mad he was like I wasn't done I was gonna do it and he was like what have you been doing and I was like fuck you like I packed all of Henry's stuff I packed everything like don't you dare and then he was like wait why are we yelling at each other and I was like okay yeah you're right wow he's like let's not let's not do this We don't need to yell. I'm sorry. And did you also apologize? I just said apology accepted. I'm I'm such an asshole.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't say that you are an asshole. It sounds like in the situation you were both frustrated, but perhaps you were coming from it the place of needing the apology. I like just, you had done a bunch of stuff. And I think, felt-
1: I think I often feel like, and this is a huge tangent that we could probably talk about for hours, but I feel like because Matt's love language is acts of service, he likes to see himself as the person who is always doing things for other people. And so sometimes it feels like he doesn't notice when I do things and that my labor is invisible. And so to me, it felt like, I've been, I made a huge list for Henry of all the stuff he needed. I packed all his stuff. I like, it It was like a lot of work, both mentally and like actually, and for him to just be like, you didn't do anything was like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no.
0: What's on your plate for this week?
1: So we kind of touched on this earlier in the show, but I want to clean my office space in particular so that it's more conducive to doing work. Okay, because you've um, got work to do. I have work to do, and I just feel like I'm not. I've been like avoiding working at my desk because it doesn't feel like a peaceful, clean space. And by clean, I mean both like I need it to feel like mentally clean and actually clean, mm-hmm. um, and also clean off the dining room table, which I started before you came over, and I made a dent. Um, but as we discussed. It's not just the one-time cleaning; it's the maintenance. So, if I clean off the dining room table today, and then tomorrow it's cluttered again, what's the point? So, kind of staying on top of
0: it—it's hard. Again, it is. teach yeah. us, listeners, please, please guide us through this. <laughs> we don't know how to stay on top of our mess. Yeah,
1: we can do it. We're 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 like we are fully functioning grown-ups. Uh, Most of the time. I know. But like, this isn't this shouldn't be this hard. But it is. I think it's valid that it
0: is this hard. Yeah. I feel like that's sometimes we something that oftentimes people who are overwhelmed by mess and don't have the innate ability to be organized say to themselves like it, it kind of to shame yourself like this shouldn't be that hard anybody mm. can pick this mm. up but I I, I, I actually, like that I think it is a challenge yeah and a real one and and it's part cultural of just mm-hmm. having a lot of stuff and part um like I don't I don't know if I ever fully learned yeah how to stay organized yeah and also just how my brain is it's yeah. not it's not geared toward I, I so I don't think it's any I don't think it's something that we should just know how to do because we are fully functioning adults. Kate.
1: Take that. You just reframed the narrative Woo! for me. I just I just think like, sh- don't
0: be don't be hard on yourself for it. Okay. I think they there it's more challenging than we give it credit for.
1: I don't know. That is really interesting. I and I appreciate that perspective. Well and I'm going to think about it. Thank
0: you. I hope you no, do. Thank you. Well,
1: you are. Welcome. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this here show. I think
0: this is a good place to stop. I do too. But if you would like to chime in with questions, or comments, or tips, you can reach us. Uh, by leaving a voicemail at
1: 781-591-0390 or emailing us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast. And the password there is serums.
0: And if you like this here little podcast, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, or mention us on
1: whatever social media outlet you prefer. Just don't at Dory on Twitter because she's not checking it. <laughs> and a reminder that everything we mention on the show is always on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod.
0: And Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Schaffer and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Thunio And Lane Hammer
2: is our assistant. And we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Bye. Bye.